Good morning, everyone. Uh, this morning, uh, we're actually going to be looking at Psalm 130. And uh, in your bulletin, it's, on, it's split up on uh, page four and five. It's the psalm that we uh, read uh, responsively early on. Uh, it's great uh, if you turn there, you can follow along. If you have a Bible, you can also follow along there too. Um, but uh, let, me, let me pray as uh, we take a look at, uh, at what uh, this psalm has uh, to show us about who we are and who God is. Our Father, um, we, we thank you that uh, you uh, give us your word, um, that you give us your word that uh, shapes us and guides us and informs uh, and us. And so as we look into your word this morning, we ask that your spirit would guide us. Um, we ask that uh, we would see uh, more of Jesus uh, more clearly, that you would uh, open our hearts, um, that you would bring healing to us, that, that you would bring, um, bring what we need. Um, so uh, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, Psalm 130. Uh, it's, it's a short psalm. It's uh, a set of uh, 15. It's one of a set of 15 psalms uh, from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And they're called the uh, Songs of Ascents. A Song of Ascents, uh, it's actually... Uh, if you're looking at it in your Bible, it's the first line of the psalm. It's, uh, it, they're, what they are is they're songs that are sung on some sort of a journey. Uh, a number of people have called these, uh, these psalms songs for the in-between places. They're a series of songs that were most likely sung as people made a pilgrimage upwards to Jerusalem to uh, celebrate three feasts that God's people are commanded to observe in the book of Exodus. Uh, every year, they would make this, make these, um, these journeys, and and over time, these uh, songs were were collected and, and and put together into the form we now have. Some of these songs were written by King David um, while God's people lived in the Promised Land. Some were written while God's people were exiled away from the land that God had promised to them. And some were written after uh, they had returned from exile and they were trying to follow God while under a foreign ruler. And so Psalm 130 uh, is most likely one of the Psalms that were written after the people of Israel returned to their land from exile. It's a Psalm that is rooted in the turmoil and dislocation and trauma of the times that they had passed through. Centuries before this, God had brought his people into the promised land after delivering them from slavery in Egypt. And uh, this new place, it was supposed to be uh, an outpost of heaven. It was a staging point from which the rest of the world would be blessed. But over the years, it had uh, turned into a spectacular mess. God's people had turned away from him. They'd worshipped other gods. They took advantage of the poor and needy for their own gain. They made shady business deals. They oppressed other people. Everyone did what they thought was right in their own eyes. Um, the word that we have for this is they sinned. And sin has this effect of separating us from God. 
It disrupts relationship. It breeds suffering. It twists and it corrupts good things. So for the people of Israel, uh, that meant that their kingdom was split in two. One half was completely destroyed by the Assyrians. The second half was broken up into little pieces and people were exiled all over the place by the Babylonians and everything was broken and scattered from the relationships that they had on the block to the walls of the cities to the temple of God that they worshipped in. And now some of the people of Israel returned to Jerusalem um, years later and they tried to rebuild. The Babylonian Empire gave gave way to the Persian Empire and their king Cyrus allowed some people to return. Um, that's actually the context of our, our reading um, for, for Jer- from Jeremiah. Um, but, but in this return, um, it, it wasn't like it used to be. Um, the, the temple that was being rebuilt was nothing like the temple as it used to be. Um, people were still scattered. Uh, there, 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 there was um, something lacking, something not right. I don't know where, where you're coming from this week. Um, I've, I've been resonating with the everything is broken idea that, that gives this psalm its context. Almost everyone I've talked to in the last little bit uh, had something unexpected happen over the last month. In our household, we had the flu, uh, we had COVID visit, we had travel plans changed. Um, If you go around the city, you know, uh, even shopping right now, you don't really know what's going to be in stock when when you go to the grocery store. I think many of us are exhausted right now. Uh, We've lost jobs. We've changed jobs. We're trying to figure out our jobs, uh, trying to figure out what's going on with school. Uh, And we have this immense pressure on us to just keep going, just hoping that things will improve, you know, just a little while longer. And we'll get over this, and we'll get over this, and we'll get back to normal. And it's not really sustainable. You know, we've been pushing through. It's been two years. Just before Christmas, I uh, dropped off some basketballs at the police precinct up by uh, where I live. Uh, They had a toy giveaway in the neighborhood. And um, the group that I work for, uh, Street to Street, we've been um, partnering with different organizations in our community to to reach out to, to a lot of youth. Um, when I showed up there, there was a big press conference going on in the corner, and uh, and when I met up with the officer that I was dropping off um, basketballs for, found out that just not even an hour earlier there'd been a shooting right on the corner, uh, right across from the precinct, uh, and, and a young man had lost his life. Um, everybody was pretty shaken up. Uh, the people in the precinct had actually heard the shots and rushed out to see what happened, and it turns out they knew the kid. Um, they'd grown up, uh, he'd grown up in the neighborhood and they'd known him from the time he was really small and, and uh, the officer told me, you know, he, he was one of the ones we, we were hopeful for. Um, we had high hopes for this guy um, and he was gone. And then uh, just this Friday night, um, I was watching a movie with my family. Um, Friday nights are our movie night for our family. So, uh, so, so we're watching, watching a movie, and, and I got a bunch of texts uh, sent to me while, while we were uh, watching it. And they're, they're asking me, is everything okay by you? And I was like, okay, that, that's odd. Um, but uh, 
I have gotten these texts before, but normally they're from people um, outside of the city asking me if everything's okay. And I, I've learned that, uh, that you know, um, things will happen here in the city and uh, it'll get on the news and then it'll be all over the world. And then I'll get a call from like my family back in Canada and be like, are you guys okay? And I'm like, uh, should, should I not be? Uh, and they're like, oh yeah, this happened. And then I find out that it happened like in Staten Island and um, I haven't been in Staten Island for, for like six months. And so I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. But, uh, but, but this text, uh, it, was, it was from somebody I know who, who lives uh, not too far away. And, and so, so I realized, like, I, I wonder what, what did I miss while I was watching this movie? Um, and uh, and I'm sure uh, many of you, you heard about on Friday night, there was a um, shooting in Harlem. Um, it's not in the same area of Harlem that I live, but uh, uh, a, a police officer was killed. Um, another one's still in the hospital. Um, I was texting with a, a, an officer that I know from the precinct, and she was just like, wow, this, this is rough. Um, this is hard right now. And so, so you know, there, there's this climate in the city. If it's, uh, it's not, not even just with, you know, shootings. We've had people who've been pushed onto the subway tracks. There, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there, there, there's a lot of just what's going on. Um, and, and so, uh, so it feels like everything's broken. Um, not everything is broken, but sometimes it feels like that. Um, and, and so this pandemic, it's been a place that feels a bit like, um, like we're in an in-between place where, where it's kind of hard to tell where we're going or even if we're moving along. And what do we do with all of this? The, the, this? Um, what do we do in the in-between places? Um, what do we do when, when it feels like things are just broken? And how do we find hope? And so I think Psalm 130 uh, gives us some direction here. It's a psalm of the in-between places, uh, the psalm of, a psalm of ascents. Uh, but it's also a psalm of lament that turns into a psalm of trust. And because it is lament turning into trust, it takes us on another journey. Um, as Christians uh, have prayed and sung and recited this psalm, um, it takes us on a journey towards God. Um, it's, it's not necessarily moving towards a physical temple, but it's, it's moving towards God, to Jesus, to his presence. And as we move towards God, um, we're confronted with sin, we're drawn into lament, and, and we're invited to trust God. Our psalm guides us through this by encouraging us to do three things that we're going to look at. So three things are crying, waiting, and hoping. So we lament and we trust. We do this by crying out to God, by waiting, and by hoping. And so in the time that we have, uh, we're, we're going to take a closer look at, at what these three things are. So, so crying. Our psalm begins with, Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Now crying here isn't like necessarily literal crying as in like tears and sorrow, um, but it doesn't exclude that. Um, it's calling out to God from a place of turmoil. Uh, it's, an, it's an expression of emotion. Um, you know, I've, I've tried, just tried to describe uh, something of 
the situation that, that we're in today um, with the, the pandemic and how overwhelmed a lot of people are. Uh, and, and I think a lot of the time, um, I don't really even realize or know what I'm feeling. Um, I recently came across uh, this, uh, this it's, it's like this emotion sensation wheel. It's this diagram that uh, kind of lists our basic emotions, um, things like sadness and anger and fear. And then there's another ring around it and it lists, um, it lists other feelings that we might have like, like confusion and hurt and anxiety. And um, then, uh, then there's another ring around it and it actually describes some of the physical sensations that get associated with those feelings, um, such as anxiety or confusion, like chest is feeling tight or your, your shoulders are tense or, or, um, or, or just various things. And I found like, I, I sat down with that a couple of times and I realized um, like, it, it was helpful. It was like, well, I, I, yeah, I am actually feeling um, feeling so many things. I'm overwhelmed and shut down, and I'm just staring at my phone. Um, I, I'm tuning out in some way because there's so much stuff going on. Um, out of the depths, I cry. Right. The imagery here is one of deep waters. Um, it, it's a symbol of chaos in the Bible. Uh, it's like the good creation being unmade. Uh, the, 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 the deep waters, um, maybe, maybe it's internal chaos that I'm dealing with. Uh, maybe it's the chaotic nature of the world around me that I'm dealing with. Most likely it's some collision of the two. And then there's something more that's mixed into it. Um, and we see it in our psalm. In, in verse 3 it says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Mixed into all of this to complicate things, if things aren't complicated enough, there is sin. There's iniquities. There, there's the stuff uh, that got God's people into the whole mess of exile in the first place. And as if disease and death and economic uncertainty and suffering aren't enough, we find sin. We, have the, we find this impulse uh, to go at it on our own, set up a wall between us and God and between us and others and, and just... Uh, Clamping down. Now, now, I want to be clear that not all hardship and suffering are, are, are just simply, it's sin. Uh, I'm not trying to pile on a false sense of guilt uh, on, on you if you're, you're wrestling with something like depression or, or, or chronic illness. Um, what I'm saying here is that the presence of sin um, just makes a messy situation even more chaotic. Right? And right now, um, you know, at our jobs, we're, just, we're told to just keep going. And we try to push on. Uh, feels like uh, we're, we're almost at the end of the line and then the finish line gets moved. And it gets moved again. Now, now if we stopped right here um, with crying out, uh, we, we wouldn't actually be lamenting. Um, we'd maybe be complaining, we might be venting, uh, we might be ranting. But lament is an expression of pain and suffering that's, that's brought before God. And in our psalm, uh, it's brought before God as an expression of trust. Um, in our psalm, crying out includes an acknowledgement of sin. And now, now we can cry all we want, um, but if there's no hope present, um, we're not actually moving into lament. We're not moving into to a Christian lament. If there's no hope, it's hard to wait. It's hard to endure. 
we start to see, see a little bit of hope right at the end of verse 4. It says, uh, but with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. With God there's forgiveness. Um, we'll get more into this in a moment. Um, but, but what we're, we're moving towards to in our psalm into verses 5 and 6, we're moving into waiting. It says, uh, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. You'll notice that even in this section of the psalm, um, that is all about waiting, hope makes an appearance. Even the way the psalm is written, there's a tension between the chaotic beginning and the hopeful end. Waiting is, is such a hard thing to do. We're, we're not a patient people. We want to rush on to the next experience. We want everything delivered uh, the next day or sooner. We're often uh, just bad at waiting because we don't have hope. We don't know what's coming next. So we just try to live for the moment. What we're given here is a picture of watchmen waiting for the morning. Watchmen are, were the night guard for a city. Uh, they'd have the long, hard hours of darkness where they'd be on alert for enemy threats or, or things that lurk in the darkness that, that might be a security risk. But the watchmen knew that the night was not unending. The dawn would come. Darkness would give way to light. Rest and safety were at hand. And our psalm says it's more, more than these watchmen wait with either eager expectation for the morning we are to wait for the Lord to come. In the word of the Lord, I have hope. Why is this? What is it about God that would bring such hope to someone in such a chaotic place? When someone, so it's a place where you're not just faced with the effects of just one person's sin, but it's the sin of the, an entire people that's brought about the destruction and scattering of a nation in exile. Where, where is hope in the midst of all of this? So uh, we turn to hoping. There's actually quite a few things in this psalm that connect with hope. But I, I want to draw out just one main thing. The main thing, or at least one of the main things that creates hope here is God's steadfast love. Verse 7 reads, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. Steadfast love is one way that we try to capture the meaning of a Hebrew word called hesed. Sometimes you'll hear it translated as loving kindness. It's a word that's uh, too big to fit into any one English word. Uh, you may have heard uh, Jim or myself um, say, say this if you've been with us over the, the last few months uh, when, when uh, Hesed has come up. Uh, but uh, Hesed, uh, compressed into Hesed, is God's love and kindness and mercy and grace and compassion and generosity and beauty. All of these things compressed into this one word. It says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. Who God is, is seen in the overflow of love and kindness and mercy and compassion. 
It means he will not abandon his people. It means rescue is coming, restoration is coming, renewal is coming. And so God's steadfast love is seen in the way he offers forgiveness earlier in the psalm. If you, if you look back at verses 3 or 4, 3 and 4. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. It's a rhetorical question that's thrown out there in our psalm. It's highlighting the mercy of God. While God does not ignore sin, right? That's the reason for the whole mess uh, that that, uh, this psalm finds us in in the first place. He's about showing mercy and offering redemption. Now, this this psalm is, is written for a future hope. It's written looking for a future hope that God would act to bring about redemption, to bring about restoration for his people. And Israel could make these claims about who God is because of the history that they had with him. He's the one who brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He's the one who provided for them when they wandered in the desert. He's the one who rescued them when they strayed. He's the one who would raise up leaders to help them. And he demonstrated his steadfast love over and over and over again. And so they looked back and they saw God's steadfast love so they could look forward in hope. Um, that's kind of one of the themes of, uh, of one of the songs that we, we, we just sang. Um, I will look back and see that you're faithful. I'll look ahead, believing you're able. And we encounter this psalm um, in a little bit of, of a different way uh, than, than when it was originally composed and, and put into the psalm, songs of ascents. What, uh, what the people then looked forward to, um, we're looking back to, um, which is what's giving us hope for our future. And what, what, what do I mean by all that? Um, what, what I'm getting at here is, is Jesus. When Jesus shows up, you know, about 2,000 years ago, um, he's the one who takes on all of that sin so that it does not count against us, right? Sin separates us from God and leads us to death. Jesus took on sin and death to restore us to God. He restores what's broken. Because Jesus is the one who takes on the sin of the world. Um, He's the one who's able to hold us fast when we are faced with pain and suffering and uncertainty. Not just because he takes on our sin, but because he takes on death. He breaks its power and he's raised from the dead, giving hope that we will share in a resurrected life if if we turn to him, if if we give ourselves to him. but, But what does that all mean? Well, pain and suffering and death do not have the last word. There's something more. God did not abandon his creation when people first sinned. He did not abandon his people when they kept walking away from him. He's not going to abandon us. Jesus uh, has given us his spirit. He's going to return. He's going to make all things new. This is the space we're living in where we're waiting for him to return to make all things new. In Jesus, we see God's steadfast love for us. 
Jesus is God overflowing in love and mercy and grace and kindness and compassion. God steps into the mess of a broken creation and he starts fixing what's broken. And that's where we are right now. Um, we're a mess, the world's a mess. Um, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like my sermon's a mess this week. Um, there, there's a lot to lament right now. Um, but in Psalm 130, lament turns to trust. Uh, it ends with a statement. The Lord will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. God hasn't changed. Right? Jesus is God's steadfast love towards us. And as God's steadfast love reaching out towards us, uh, Jesus is our anchor. He's our stability. He's our hope. And so uh, it, it frees us. Um, it frees us. It's okay to cry out to God. Um, it's okay to cry. Um, it, it's okay to be a mess right now. It's okay to wait. Um, it's okay to be facing some uncertainty. But we don't face it without hope. It's hope in Jesus that will see us through. It's, uh, it's hope in Jesus that allows us to cry and wait and lament before God. Uh, with hope and trust that, that he's coming and he's going to set all things right. He holds all things well at hand. And in the season that we're in, it may be hard to see, um, but Jesus hasn't changed. So, so we, we cry out to Jesus. We wait for Jesus. I encourage you, cry out to Jesus. Wait for Jesus. Anchor yourself in God's steadfast love because he will see you through. Turn to him and see what he does. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hello, everyone. My name is Jim Saladin. I'm the rector here at Emmanuel Anglican Church. Uh, our church exists to see and describe and reflect the beauty of Jesus Christ for the flourishing of our city. And I hope this podcast encouraged you in that way towards Christ. If you're here in New York City, we'd love to see you. Please join us on Sundays at 11 a.m. Generosity drives everything we do at Emmanuel. And if you'd like to contribute, please visit www.emmanuelanglicannyc.com give.